What are some of those promises that you and I hold so tightly to, my friends? How about the one that Jesus said to his disciples, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Or the one that Paul wrote, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for the privilege of living life enveloped in your promises. Thank you for being faithful and true to your nature, your character, your word, and your promises. Now we open our hearts and our minds, our lives to you and ask you, please, would you build on what we have been experiencing for the last many moments? And would you personally embrace each of us on this Father's Day with the love of Abba, Father, and would you penetrate deeply into each of our lives with your wonderful truth right at the place where you know we need your truth touch? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I invite you to be seated, my friends, as we send our little ones, the ones up through grade four, to those wonderful teachers who've been preparing for them. You can go ahead, kids. Oh, it's Father's Day, my friends, and we've had a glorious worship time together already, haven't we? And greetings to those of you watching us uh, on our live stream. One of our dear friends came in this morning and said to me, I was out of town last weekend, but so delighted that even though I was in a different time zone, I was able to watch the service live on the Internet. And at one point she said, the camera kind of moved around and I saw my family that I was not with. And it was so much fun. It felt like it was right there, she said. Our theme for the 100 days of summer, as you can see, are three powerful words. Choices, because summertime is a time that we make a lot of important choices. Changes, is there any other time during the year that we make more change than in the summer? and connectivity and today is one of those connectivity days it's Father's Day weekend and lots of folks will be together with family or friends I'd like you to think back on your life journey what would be two or three of the most significant events that happened in your lifetime to you that have directly shaped who you are today can you think about that two or three of the most significant events in your lifetime that happened to you that have direct result of who you are today. Now, where did those things happen? The places. What were the choices involved in those things? What were some of the changes that happened to you as a person as a result of those significant events? Who were the people who were a part of those events, the connectivity, relationships that you were a part of? If you're on the journey with us this summer, reading two chapters of God's Word a day, uh, we've been spending some time with a dear old friend named Joshua. <laughs> Imagine that we're at the end of his life, and we say, Joshua, would you tell us about some of those great events that happened in your lifetime? <clears throat> I'd like to give you four. There are some notes, of course, right in the middle of your worship folder. And if you'd open your copy of God's Word, please, to where David had us last week, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. That's where we find one of the four. 
And if you'll follow with me in the next few minutes, I have a feeling you will find yourself in each of these four significant events. The first, let's just call it Egypt. <laughs> because I think if we were standing with Joshua, he would say, Egypt for me was the place of my deliverance. And I remember the price. Joshua was born in Egypt. And my guess is he and his daddy, Mr. Nunn, probably had a conversation from time to time. And daddy would say, now Joshua, you need to understand, even though I was born here, and my father was born here, and my grandfather, and my great-grandfather, we are not Egyptians. We are Hebrews. We are here because some of our ancestors made some poor choices. They came here at a tough time, and they should have gone back home, but they didn't. We are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his sons. In fact, we, the family of Nun, are descendants of Joseph in the tribe of Ephraim. <laughs> we're slaves. Joshua, you were born a slave. You're going to live a slave. You're going to die a slave, just like I will, unless God does something that would be beyond anything any person could ever imagine. The only way out of this slavery bondage is going to have to be probably not one, but several miracles of God. The chokehold of Pharaoh and the most powerful army on the planet is just too strong for us. So Joshua, there's a reason I've given you the name Joshua. It means deliverer, rescuer. We're praying that in your generation, Joshua, you will not die in this slavery place. God will hear our cry and rescue us in your generation. You and I are like that. We were born in Egypt. I don't mean the land of Egypt. We were born in slavery, weren't we? You were born into a sin nature that you were born with, and you can't help yourself, and neither can I. It, it's part of our sin nature. We are sinful people captivated by our sin and condemned as a result of it. And we can't fight our way out. We can't buy our way out. We can't earn our way out, can we? The only way out of this slavery is if God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, miracles to rescue us. Along comes a man named Moses. And Moses says to Mr. Nunn and Joshua and the rest of them, I have been up the mountain. <laughs> I met with him. His name is the great I Am, Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says he's heard our cry. He cares about us. He's going to deliver us in our generation. He's going to unleash power like nobody has ever seen. It will break the back of the Pharaoh that holds us. Do you believe it? According to Exodus 6, their answer was, not so sure. Look around, Moses. And God began to unleash those plagues one after another. Every one of them aimed at one of the areas that the Egyptians were so proud of and one of the evil deities, the false gods that they worshipped. And finally, Moses says, it's time. There will be one more plague, and this one will be greater than all the others. God has said he's going to send the angel of death across the face of this land. 
and the eldest in every family will die. It's the price of rebellion. You and I are born into sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. The wages of sin is death. But because I love you so much, I will come. I will proclaim my truth to you. I'll allow you to reject me and pay the full sin price. That's why we have a cross in front of this church. Moses, what's the catch? What do we need to do? If you believe that what God says is true, if you believe that he is going to rescue us, he needs to know who believes enough to take a stand. Every dad, take a lamb. On the 14th day, kill the lamb, collect the blood. Put the blood on the outside of the door of your home for everyone to see, declaring that you believe in God. You believe in what he has said. When the angel of death comes through, the angel will pass over those homes where there's blood on the doorpost. No harm will come to anyone in that family. The Lord himself will protect those in that family. So God, what do I need to do to be set free of my sin? Do you believe? Do you believe that I'm a truth-telling God? Do you believe that Jesus is, in fact, God incarnate? Do you believe, therefore, that his death on the cross pays your debt, your sin debt, death penalty? If yes, then invite him to save you. Trust him to do in you what you can't do for yourself. And be delivered. So they did. Joshua's family and hundreds of thousands of others like them took a lamb. Some didn't. Not so sure I can believe it's true. Killed the lamb. Blood on the doorpost. The angel of death did in fact come through and Pharaoh said, that's it. Get out. I can't stand up against this God. And Jesus went to the cross. Buried came out of the tomb victorious and Satan said that's it I can't hold him anymore in the chokehold of my sin I submit <clears throat> Jesus victorious over sin Satan and death amen? amen so any person anywhere can be set free by faith in Christ <laughs> get out Pharaoh says and they walked out of Egypt with the bounty of Egypt a couple days later, they find themselves with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh, who changed his mind, coming right behind him with his army. Help! Stand firm. This isn't your fight. God will deliver us. Walk right through the Red Sea. Huh? And then he closed it back over Pharaoh and his army. Delivered once and for all. The enemy that you feared is defeated and destroyed. Amen? Is it true the same for you and for me? The enemy that we fear is defeated once and for all. And if you've trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you can walk free 
from his chokehold on your life. So here's my question. Where were you born into Egypt? The place where you were born, where your birth certificate says you were born. It was Egypt. <laughs> you were born into sin. But my question is, where did you make the decision that Joshua and his family made? Help me. Rescue me. I, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Here's my life. Rescue me. Where and when did that happen for you? Do you remember? Jot it down right there in your notes if you remember it. Or are you sitting there thinking, well, I, I think my mom told me that I was about two and I... It's the single most significant moment in your lifetime. Where and when were you delivered? By the power of God. If it's foggy in your mind, may I invite you, sometime this Father's Day weekend, find a quiet place. Maybe right here, right now. Lord Jesus, deliver me. I fully trust in you to be my Savior. I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I can't escape it. Rescue me from my sin. I trust you and what you accomplished on the cross and in your victorious resurrection. And mark it down. Father's Day weekend 2014, my Egypt. They rushed out. In two months, they were at Mount Sinai. They spent a year there with God about he spoke to them. They heard his voice. He gave them the Ten Commandments and, and, and many other stipulations of what it means to be a people of God. He pronounced them his treasured possession. They came to understand him and to know him. Moses went up the mountain eight times to meet with God and came back and said, here's what God says. They built a tabernacle where they could meet with him. Then God said, it's time. Let's go. Let's leave the mountain. Let's head to the land that I promised your forefathers. And they arrived, according to Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, 11 days later at a place called Kadesh Barnea. Moses, choose 12 good men, trustworthy men, reliable men, leaders. Send them into the new land. 40 days to walk all through the land, see how good of a land it is. And then have them come back and give a report. So they did. Joshua was among them, representing the tribe of Ephraim. They come back after 40 days, and it tells me they're in Numbers chapter 13, in verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. It means it was bountiful and fruitful. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, giants. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Back and forth they went. And finally the people said, No, God, no. We're not going in. Oh, we recognize all about the plagues and the Red Sea and the water from the rock and the manna we ate this morning fell from heaven. We understand all that, but God, those are really fearful. No, no, we're not going. If we were standing here with old man Joshua, I wonder if tears would start running down his face. 
I remember that terrible day. I wonder if he'd say to us, a lesson I learned that day is God will never force himself upon you. He'll show you his mighty power. He'll try to help you understand his great love. He'll invite you to step forward with him, but he will never force himself upon you. And so he said to us that day, okay, if no is your answer, then turn around and you're heading back out into the desert. And you ten leaders who discourage the people, leadership of my people is so serious you won't even see tomorrow morning. And all you faithless generation, you will never see the land. You'll die in the desert because you'll wander one year for every day that the spies were in the new land. And we'll give your children the opportunity after you're all gone. The price of saying no to God. Now, perhaps not everyone in the room or listening to my voice right now has had an Egypt experience where you have recognized your need for a Savior and you've asked God to save you. But everyone in this room, starting with me, has experienced saying no to God. All of us. God, I, I know I really should, but I really don't want to. So I'm not going to. God, I, I know I probably shouldn't, but I really want to. So I'm gonna. It's everywhere. It's every day. I really shouldn't flirt with my coworker. She's she's married and I'm married, but and nothing'll ever come of it. And it's kind of a little adrenaline rush. I really shouldn't be wearing those hiked up skirts and things, but the men notice and they look at me and it makes me feel good. Nothing will ever come of it. They pass the offering bag every Sunday, and that's nice, and I'm glad there's crazy people who go to those places. But that's my money. Don't touch my money, God. We've all done it. No, God. Now think back in your journey. What was the price of no? We've all been there. What was the price of Kedesh Barnea for you when you said no? We've all paid the price. May I encourage you with this? There's great lessons to learn in the painful places that follow no. Here's one. When God said to the people, turn around and head back out to the desert, I'm going with you. I will continue to provide manna every morning. I will continue to provide you water in the desert. I will be with you. Even when you and I say no, God doesn't say, that's it. You're on your own. I will be there. I'm God. You can't make me not love you. Amen? I will keep giving you breath in your lungs, blood pumping through your heart every day, even if you scream no at me because I love you, right? Lessons learned in the know. I would imagine if Joshua was standing, he said, oh, I could spend the rest of the day telling you the lessons that we learned in those 40 years walking around that desert. What are the lessons that you have learned in the no times? Could I encourage you this Father's Day weekend? Spend a little time and reflect back on the no seasons of your life. 
and see if you can see some lessons that God in his great love for you taught you in those times that has helped you to become who you are today and help you to know what a gracious and loving God huh forty years later that whole generation is gone Joshua survived 40 years kicking dust in the desert and they arrive at the third place I want to tell you about Gilgal oh, one of my favorite places if you're reading along with me you read about it this weekend Joshua chapter 3, 4, and 5 would you turn there for just a minute in Joshua chapter 1 God says Joshua Moses my servant is dead now let's go. We've got a new generation with new hope. We're going into the new land. <laughs> Get ready. And can't you just see Joshua's knees are just knocking? It was scary enough with Moses, but now me? It's okay. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, it says there in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. So, so how do I do this, God? Chapter 3, Joshua. Mm hmm when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, move out from your positions and follow it. Follow the Ark. Why? Guess what's in the Ark? The Ten Commandments of stone that Moses brought down off the mountain. Have you learned, my dear friends, when you follow the Ark, when you follow God's Word, when you follow God's Word to your heart and to mind, His truth, you'll never go wrong. Follow God's truth. Consecrate yourselves. Do you see it in the next verse? You're following the ark, by the way, in verse 4, because then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Verse 5, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What does it mean? Look closely at yourself. What is the stuff in you that God can't bless? That's getting in the way of God doing all that he'd like to do in and through you. Clear it out. Remember Psalm 24, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Consecrate yourself before we head into the new land. What's happening here? A line in the sand is being drawn. For 40 years they have lived with the shame and the regret and the shadow of no to God. It's time to draw a line in the sand and leave the shame and the regret behind and move forward with God. Amen? Now, because every one of us in this room has said no to us, every one of us in this room has lived with that. We have lived with the shame, the regret of saying no to God. Or maybe it only lasted a couple of days and you repented and said, God, I'm so sorry. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us, right? But maybe for you, you weren't so quick. And days turned to weeks, turned to months, turned to years, turned to decades. And frequently you stuff it down. You don't want to remember it, but it's there. The shadow of that no back there. Could it be that this Father's Day weekend is your weekend to draw a line in the sand? Before them was the flooded Jordan River. Follow the ark? 
across the river. There's no bridge, God. You tell the priest to go and step foot in the river. In great faith, I will stop the flow of the river. And then everybody moves across on dry ground. Really? As I did to the Red Sea, so I shall do. Yes. And they did. And oh, by the way, pick up 12 big stones as you're heading across that river. Why? Because you got such short memories, that's why. And pile them up at Gilgal where you spend this first night tonight so that when your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren come walking by this place and they say, what's that pile of stones? Oh, let us tell you a story. Those stones used to be in the middle of that river. And we walked across on dry ground. And then Joshua turned around and watched because the Jordan is going to come back to flood stage again. Why? There's no going back. We are not living in the desert anymore. We are not living under the shadow of the shame of the past. Shame turns to privilege with Jesus. Ambassadors, he calls us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You are ambassadors of Christ as though God is making his appeal to the world through you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 20. Amen? Now, come on. When in your past have you drawn a line in the sand, your Gilgal? Can you make a list of them there? Or is it possible that there are several of us in this room today and we're still living with the shame the shadow, the, the burden, the heaviness of stuff back there. And it actually sometimes feels like it defines us. We're defined by our failure. We can't see ourselves going forward free of it. And can't you just hear Jesus saying, why, why? I broke the back of the accuser. You don't need to carry it. Invite me in. Hand it over to me. I know all about it. I'll set you free of it. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Let's go forward and leave it at the cross. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 5 is one of those painful chapters in the Bible. <laughs> Joshua, we got a problem, don't we? We got a, a whole bunch of Hebrew men don't bear the mark the mark of the covenant the circumcision mark Abraham God says I want you to put a mark on your sons an irreversible mark that will be the mark of the covenant the covenant between me and you on the eighth day after they're born circumcise them they'll remember it and is there in their moments of intimacy where children are being conceived they will remember they are children of the covenant. But a whole generation of no people had said, no, God, no, we are not circumcising our boys. No. Did you grow up in a no home? So Joshua, before we take one more step into the new land right here, whoosh, a line in the sand, circumcise yourselves. And then after you're healed, we will go into the new land as a new people. Egypt, the place where you and I say, God, I need your help. Rescue me. Do it with me. Come on. 
God, I need your help because I want you to remember when you did that. Go ahead, reach your arms up right where you're sitting. It's okay, and nobody will notice. <laughs> God, I need your help. I recognize I can't save myself. I'm asking you to save me. No, God, Kedesh Barnea. I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. I know what you want, and I'm not doing it. No, Gilgal. Go ahead, do it. A line in the sand. Have you experienced all three of those? Or is it possible that this weekend you are in great need of one or more of those? Now there's one more. Shechem. It's where you'll be this week if you're reading with me, Joshua 23 and 24. <laughs> Joshua is an old man. And he calls the people around him, first the leaders, let me tell you the story, <laughs> the incredible story of being Moses' aid, of, of experiencing all those great things, God and his faithfulness. Oh, let me tell you the story, and let me give you a warning. I wonder if you see it there. Verse 7, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. You are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Be careful about the connectivity, the relationships that you have with other people. Verse 12, if you turn away and you ally yourselves with the survivors of these wicked nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations before you. Instead, oh my, listen, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. What's he saying? He's saying, God was right, it's not good for man to be alone. No person is designed to live in isolation. We all need connectivity, friends, amen? But God is saying, be careful, because friends influence. The greater your friendship, the more you enjoy the people you're with, the more your heart and your mind will be open to be influenced by them. Be careful who you allow to influence you in your thinking and in your hearts. Guard your hearts. It's the wellspring of life, Solomon wrote. Joshua is saying, I've watched it happen. I see it happening now. We're in this land where we're pushing out the wicked people, and some of you are becoming like them. Don't isolate yourself, but guard your heart and your mind, because all too easily you'll be drawn away from God and into their darkness. Friends, can, can you apply it to you and me today? Who are the people in your life journey who have been your good friends, but they have tended to draw you away from God? They've drawn you into the party scene, and it was a dark place to go. They've drawn you into dishonesty in the business world, and it wasn't good. They've drawn you to consider cheating on your spouse. But you enjoy being with them. They're fun. <laughs> They're friends. Do you hear God saying, at Shechem, you need to decide. What is the influence that you're going to allow your friends to have over you? Who among your friends are those who challenge you to growth, to be a better man, a better woman, a God-honoring man, a God-honoring woman? Hold tightly to them. Draw more of them around you. 
Guard your heart and your mind in your relationships. And then finally he says, Joshua, can't you just see him? Come here, kids. Bring all your grandkids and your great-grandkids. I'm over 100 years old, by the way. And here's this whole crowd around him. Can't you see him? God has been faithful to me through the generations. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods of our forefathers or the gods of the people among whom we live. As for me and my household, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. Has there been a Shechem in your life journey? A place where you have closely looked at the family, pardon me, the connections, the relationships, the friendships, and you've recognized, I've been way too susceptible and vulnerable to some people who are not helping me. I need to draw some lines. Have you had a time, maybe a Father's Day weekend or a Mother's Day weekend, where you gathered your family around and you told them the story and then you said, as for me and my house, I'm passing the legacy to you. We will serve the Lord. You serve what you love. You love what has captivated your heart. Am I right? So, where was your Egypt? The place you were born. And do you recognize you were born into slavery, sin slavery? And where was the time when you reached up Come on, do it with me. God, I need your help. Save me, please. Save me, Jesus. Save me. Do you remember the time? Do you remember the place? If you don't, would you consider this weekend is the weekend for you? Where have been the times? Go ahead, do it with me, because we've all done it. No, God. No, you're kiddish, Barnea. And you remember the price you paid. Where have been the times when you drew the line in the sand? I'm not living in the shadow of shame and guilt anymore. Free me, Jesus, from it. We're going forward. And has there ever been a time when you've gathered your family, your close friends around you, and you've handed them the legacy? As for me and my house. My appeal to you this Father's Day 2014 make it count make it count Lord Jesus Christ thank you for the privilege of looking into the life of this man Joshua thank you God for giving us his story and many others like him thank you Jesus that you are reaching to us right now there's probably some in this room who are still living in Egypt bound in the sin slavery they can't get out and you're reaching them saying, I paid the full price. I'm ready right now to rescue you. Ask me. Trust me. God, I would presume there are some sitting among us who are sitting here living in the shadow of the no. They are perhaps at this moment saying no to you as they pursue inappropriate relationships or mishandle trust or, or finances or other things. They know the right they should be doing, but they refuse. It's no. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting us of that. God, could it be that there's some sitting among us who they've just been waiting for the chance to draw the line in the sand, and today is the day. 
I refuse to live in the shame any longer. This is my Gilgal. I'm handing it all over to Jesus. I'm asking him to set me free from it. I'm repenting of the wrong that I have done. I'm receiving his forgiveness and his cleansing, and I'm going forward with Jesus. No more living in the shame. And this weekend, oh God, for how many of us does it need to be Shechem? Looking closely at our relationships, how many of them are hurtful to us, and we don't even notice it? How many need to be nurtured because they help us be God-honoring men and women? And how many of us will be able to spend some time with our families and talk about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As we worship you, Lord Jesus Christ, please speak into each of our hearts what would be the right next steps to take this weekend. We worship you.